0: The Late Debate on RTE Radio 1 Vaccine boosters Why are tens of thousands not showing up For their third shots Stone Barrow were all the precautions warranted Are Nefit members free To speak to the media And why is sorry the hardest word for Sinn Féin We'll have all of that and more On tonight's Late Debate and joining us to debate all of that tonight, we have Senator Pauline O'Reilly, Green Party Spokesperson on Education and Higher Education, Paul Sinn Féin TD for Dublin West and Spokesperson on Community Development, and Pather Tobin, Leader of AinThu and TD for Meath East, and Ronya A Journalist with TheJournal.ie. We want to hear from you as well, so do get in touch. Text us on 51551, email us on latedebate at rte.ie or tweet to at debate rte. Well, it's good to be back and I want to say thanks to Damien and Justin for stepping into the breach there for the last couple of weeks. Did I miss anything? (laughs) Uh looks like covid hasn't gone away. Anyway, confusion over the booster program, confusion over HEPA filters, confusion over whether Neffit was gagged or not gagged. Gronya, could you maybe bring us up to speed uh maybe firstly on that booster vaccine story out of the doll today.
1: Mm, yeah, that the he shook um highlighted I suppose to the doll that uh some people are not uh I, I suppose a good chunk of people aren't turning up to their vaccine appointments. So from in the week beginning the 22nd of November, 208,000 appointments were, were made, but only 80,000 turned up. And there's a similar trend from the week before um, or, or the week after that. But basically the message is that some people aren't turning up now. That needs to be qualified by the fact that a lot of people are reporting getting text messages about a booster appointment when they've already had their booster or text messages one one of the things that drive time we're hearing uh, this afternoon were that people were getting text messages saying you missed your your booster appointment but didn't get the initial text to start off with so it's not clear how dramatic the figures are but even if you allow for some of from some of that um uh, missed booster appointments it does seem to be that there there are people that aren't turning up um that comes to a backdrop of new Covid uh, restrictions coming in on hospitality, restaurants, households, gathering uh, from today, nightclubs are closed from, from today, for example. Uh, and then questions over whether there will be more restrictions. Thána Sjália Th- Th- Varadkar has suggested that there won't be um, uh, closures for the time being. And the Taoiseach has also said it's that's it until the 9th of January. But we don't know what's going to happen in January after that 9th of uh, January deadline comes along and then also there are tensions between NEFID and the government over what advice should be uh, stuck to as well as tensions over what's happening in the schools HEPA filters and then third level exams Uh, Simon Harris hasn't gotten involved in whether exams should be held in third level or not but it is definitely a sore point and it's definitely gaining momentum with every week Uh, so that's all that's all you missed Katie (laughs) while you're away
0: (laughs) OK, let's uh, work our way through some of that then. Um, Pauline, just uh, on the booster vaccine issue, um, and we had a vaccination programme that was really, you know, the envy of anywhere. It was really, it worked incredibly well. It got through hundreds of thousands of people at an enormous uh, rate. You know, the booster programme is not operating at anything like uh, the level that it should. I was very slow to get off the ground to begin with. And it seems to have all these glitches and all these problems with the, the actual technology around it.
2: Well, look, what can you say? There are glitches, clearly, because people are reporting it. But, um, you know, Grainne has said there that uh, it's not just that and even allowing for all of that. Actually, people aren't turning up as well. So I think, you know, let's acknowledge some of those issues. But let's also look at the fact that... Um, there, there needs to be more communication effort uh, built into this because um, as you say, we did all turn up for our vaccinations. Um, people aren't getting as sick because they're vaccinated. Um, I'm hoping that there's not a level of complacency, but I think that we just need to need to be clear to people that it's still the case that being vaccinated is what protects your loved ones. And um, there is bigger spread of the virus in the unvaccinated, and also people will, will get sicker. So uh, I, th- I think we just need to have that strong message out there and and, um, and be aligned across across government and across the, the different um, communicators of this. Um,
0: oh, we'll be talking about the different yeah. communicators <laughs> of this in a minute. Uh, Padra, I think I put you into the wrong side of meat there. Apologies. <laughs> yes, You're, of course, a TD for Mead West. Um, the Thónishté speaking today in the Shannon. Uh, said that you know while the initial vaccination programme may not have worked as well as we had hoped in terms of cutting mm. transmissibility in, in, at the level we hoped, but that it had worked because it encouraged more people, or sorry, that not the, the vaccination programme, but rather the COVID pass programme, that it had worked because it encouraged people to get vaccinated and that we probably wouldn't be up at the vaccination levels we are at if we hadn't uh, brought that program in. Now you, you, you have been. I think you still are very yeah. critical of the vaccine pass.
3: Yeah, we've opposed the vaccine pass because it doesn't work. So the vaccine pass originally, people did think that, as the t- the just said, that the vaccine would have a far stronger effect in stopping transmission, but that hasn't been the case. But we, we
0: do know it does,
3: it, it does it, reduce transmission. It does reduce transmission for sure. There's no doubt about that, but it doesn't reduce it to the levels we'd hoped when the vaccine pass was designed. So the vaccine pass as it stands allows people who have COVID into hospitality uh, and the vaccine pass can actually stop people who don't have COVID going into hospitality. So it's not doing the job that it was set out to do. Um, so therefore, it's allowing for uh, COVID to circulate in hospitality and actually has a discriminating effect, effect as well against a certain section of society. So it would have been much better, for example, to follow the Danish example where they had antigen testing venue access systems, where they had pharmacies and tents uh, run by professionals in their cities and towns. And if I want to go for a pint or for a meal, you get an antigen test done, which had a better chance of telling me that I was clear of COVID and therefore was safer and more effective. And that's probably one of the reasons why Denmark has a lower level of COVID uh, in circulation than this state does. Uh, in relation to the the, the, the Well, hang
0: uh, on a second now. They have there's variations of the COVID pass in, in, in place uh, in, in many, many countries. In fact, you know, people's attitudes towards vaccination is hardening uh, right across Europe and indeed in New York we saw this week uh, where uh, a vaccine mandate was brought in for people working in the private private sector jobs.
3: That's right. Uh,
0: so, you know, this is moving in one direction, Padre and it's in the opposite direction from where your position Well,
3: I suppose, is it moving in the direction that's most effective in actually controlling the illnesses is, is, is a clear question. So you're right, there's been a lot of different variations of the COVID pass, but most countries allowed for a COVID pass plus antigen test option. So therefore you could apply for the COVID pass but you could also gain access uh, on the basis of antigen testing. And I think the more but, we've learned... But
0: then we'll go back to the point that Leo Varadkar made today is that mm. actually it has been successful in pushing more people towards vaccination, which is something you you support. Vaccination yeah, yeah, is obviously something you It support. is, but...
3: It, so it, in that level alone, surely... But what's the end goal here? The end goal is actually to reduce the level of COVID that's transmitting. And in, the more in- people
0: who are vaccinated will we'll get us closer to that goal, surely.
3: Well, also stopping people... Uh, transmitting the illness in hospitality would reduce the level of the illness that's spreading. The, the objective here is two, twofold, right? One, to save life, and two, to keep the state as open as possible. Uh, but the problem is, at the moment, we've seen the government's policies have led us down the road of having to restrict uh, people's lives again. And I think if they had introduced antigen testing to allow people to access hospitality, nightclubs, theatres, etc., we could have reduced the level of transmission and allowed for those uh, elements of society to open at a lower COVID rate. And that has been done in other countries.
0: Uh, Paul done, yeah,
4: look in terms of people missing their appointments, I think we we need to get more data on exactly why I think it's it's very simplistic to say that it's it's either a people are hardening towards it. They're forgetting their appointments. It's text messages. We actually don't know, so I think the HSA have a job to do to find out exactly what it is. What's the problem? What's the issue? And try to resolve that problem because we do want people to get the vaccines, particularly the boosters, because it's seen, uh, you've seen in Israel itself where the boosting program has worked and has reduced uh, the amount of people who are getting sicker, um, and has re- reduced. Uh, lockdowns within, within Israel as well. Um, I suppose in relation to, to, to COVID passes, and there's a whole series of things. It's not just one thing. And I think that's, I suppose, the message we have to get out there to people is it's not just one thing that's going to help us stay open keep the schools open try and get back to some sort of normality although some people wouldn't want to get back to normality but if we're talking about ventilation we're talking about antigen tests we're talking about vaccinations we're talking about all of those things that that suite of measures that we need to put in place that unfortunately hasn't been put in place to date and there's been resistance from the government particularly around antigen testing most ridiculously around around ventilation I mean I find it absolutely strange that in in, in schools for, for, okay. for well, example actually
0: just on that point point, yeah. I'll bring you back in because I want to your party leader raise this in the all at uh, leaders questions today so if you want to put on your headphones there this is Mary Lou MacDonald uh, speaking on the ventilation issue earlier today I asked you about ventilation and air quality in our classrooms I mean between removing contact tracing from schools a very sluggish response to teaching supply Mixed and confused messaging on children wearing masks uh, in schools. Uh, Your your record in dealing with staff and children in the classroom isn't good. And I think to say to staff and children that the answer is to shiver in classrooms is not acceptable. These filters, these HEPA filters are one, one item, an important item in the toolbox that we have to keep people safe. Uh, Pauline, your education spokesperson yep. for your party, like to say that the government dropped the ball in relation to managing COVID in schools. I w- would say it was is almost an understatement at this stage.
2: Well, I mean, the minister was in the Shannon last week, and I made very clear that I don't believe enough has been done around HEPA filters. Um, that there is a complete disparity when it comes to how schools are dealing with ventilation. Um, so, do you
0: think your party leader is saying this at cabinet? Because this is not, I mean, you're, you're here obviously representing the government in the studio yeah. tonight. Well, so.
2: I, I, think, I think everybody recognises that some balls have been dropped in relation to this because otherwise um, the, the, the minister wouldn't have, wouldn't have changed track when it came to masks. So, um, like, I, I'm here to speak on my own behalf as well. And I've said this to the minister. Um, but what having, has he said to you about this? Because I haven't
0: heard your party leader You're speaking as a member of cabinet and as a member of this cabinet subcommittee that decides all of these things. I haven't heard him saying, you know, we, you know, we we put up our hands here. We made a mistake in how we dealt with this. Well,
2: uh, well, I think that um, that the very fact. Look, everybody can't speak about everything all the time. I'm I'm telling you that 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 my view is, and that's what I'm here to to give is my view on it. And uh, you know, and I can't speak for anybody else, but I have said it to the minister for education around HEPA filters. I've said it um, around the ventilation and the and the fact that schools are doing doing different things. I have heard of, of teachers sitting there with coats on and the children not allowed to wear coats in schools in Galway. So I think that there is work to do and I think that the very the very fact that um that um you know there was a change around the masks I think was welcome because I think it was the right thing to do. There was a difficulty I think for children who were coming from families where the the family may have been saying don't wear a mask and children don't don't have the right to choose. But but I think fundamentally it it comes back to this point that that um, it is very difficult to lock down a country, and it is very it's very easy to lock down a country or keep the country entirely open. The things in the middle are where um, people have so to in adjust all of time. the time. No, 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 should second. contact and tracing in, 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 have been taken? Well, like, out can of I schools? just say in relation to one of the one of the issues around uh, around COVID passes? Like Sinn Fein at the start of summer were saying no to COVID passes for hospitality. So it's not Only as if any not part, everybody not, was vaccinated it, at it's, that time. It's, it's not as if. the the, the vaccinations were right on track at that that time and so it's not as if Um, you know there's a party in opposition there that is getting it right all of the time I haven't seen any party that actually has a clear message on this because it changes all of the time and we are getting and we are getting
4: that's quite incorrect and we are getting getting, we have been calling for antigen testing we have been calling for but you were against you were against COVID passes you were against we're We're now calling for the vaccines to be increased to, to be expanded to people who were who were over fifty. So there are a lot of things that we've been talking about for months and well, months. And second months. now, I
0: don't know if you were talking about HEPA filters because I, I did no. strike me today, and I went back and looked because oh, I hadn't September, remembered. And we we're
4: talking about contract tracing. We're talking about HEPA, HEPA filters
0: schools. until quite recently. Uh, the contact tracing, yes, I think all opposition yeah. have been talking about that because they've been hearing it from teachers and from parents, obviously, everything. But the HEPA filters, I think you're pretty you're pretty no, new to that. We have, party. Well,
4: no, well look at the, end of the day, as I say, I, I've. I've Genuine interest in this one because I have two children who are primary school teachers, and they have been talking about their door, their windows being open. Children absolutely freezing cold, wearing jackets. They're cold. There's teachers who who are heating up. Brought in, one teacher brought in a microwave to heat up the these packs to try and to try and heat the children. These packs that the. I, mean, I, I that,
2: is, that, is that embarrassing for you I, to be? Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll be honest with you. Yeah. I mean, I was on Galway FM um, last week as well. Not to talk about a different radio station while I'm on this one, but um, and there was a lot a lot of people who had been ringing in the day before, and actually I hadn't realised it. I was up on my feet and um, talking about the exact same issue that they were bringing up, um, but at least like. We are raising it. I'm not going to sit silently and, and not and not raise the issue. It's funny, but, what is the point? You're you're an education spokesperson yeah. for one of the three parties in government. Yeah, absolutely. And you're saying, isn't it great that I'm raising no, this No, well, in, well in there in has, a there ha- But there has Katie, been a change. There, there has is. been a change. To be honest with you, and in relation to HEPA filters, there has been a change. So, uh, so things changes. are mo- things are moving. Things are moving, and uh, and as I've I've said before. Um, nobody has all of the answers. We are trying to deal with something where there's new variants coming in all of the time. Um, And, you know, the the, the things that Padder was talking about, actually, um, he, at the time of talking about being against COVID passes, he, he didn't believe... That there was any kind of um, increase in transmission among those who were vaccinated, um, and we found no, are not, not unvaccinated, and we found that that is the case. So the COVID well, passes were the right thing to do. It fairness, has shown. I don't
3: think, I don't think you're, you're representing the, my view at well, all. Well, apologies. I don't
2: much, mean to misrepresent, to honest, but, um, but you are just, against it, COVID it, it's passes. Important.
3: To remember what's happening here, right? So the government have been blindsided completely by, by this. So Everybody's in,
2: been blindsided. Okay, it's a pandemic. Let's,
3: let, let, let's, let's take that as read, okay? So what I'm saying to you is this. We know that there's 50,000 classrooms in the state. 13 classrooms, 13 schools have applied for HEPA filters so far in the state. So there's going to be HEPA filters put in in the new year in 13 out of the 50,000 classes in the state. That's not a response. Now, was
0: that before... The, the commitment in the last couple of days for, I think it's 50 million that has been... Uh, yeah, that's been, right. That was the, the number
3: of schools who've applied uh, yes, up that's, until that's at up the up end yeah, of so, so last, last week. So last this week, as different.
0: you know, uh, Pather, there was a change, I think. Do we have the clip of what Michal Martin uh, said in response to Mary Lou Macdonald when she raised the HEPA filters issue today? Yeah.
5: The funding uh, will be made available if schools wish uh, to purchase HEPA filters
3: um, in given situations.
0: Yeah, so the funding will be made available if schools wish to purchase them in given situations.
3: Well, so far only 13 schools have applied and I understand the reason why is because if they apply for HEPA filters... They lose other uh, forms of applications for for funding in their own schools. Uh, can as well. I just
2: can I Is just can I just say that 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 that's not correct.
3: Well, we'd be delighted if it isn't, but well, that's the information that we have. No,
2: but I but I will say this though, uh, and this was the issue that I had raised with the minister last week, and things have changed this week. And the issue was people were having to apply for minor works grants, uh, and so you're 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 correct in the sense that if they're applying for a minor works grant. And they're concerned about it going down that route, but the announcement is this: this money is for HEPA filter, filters, so that that is a change. But I don't think that we should um, be apologetic about having to change things. All of us should be saying that we will change things as the evidence. But Mary Lou Macdonald it. was looking
0: for a commitment that these HEPA filters would be rolled out nationally into all schools no, that's, during that's, the during the Christmas w- break.
2: Well, well, that's incorrect anyway, because the expert report that was done in March by Professor Wenger said that not all schools need it. Um, so it 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 shouldn't be rolled out in every school if it's not needed either. Um, But it it is needed in quite a lot of schools and certainly from my point of view, again, I raise this with the Minister, from my point of view, this is a really good investment. Long term HEPA filters are a good investment because they are about taking um, things at particles out of the air, which is good for our health. It's good when it comes to, for, to, to, to air, air pollution, and, all, and of all of that. And we don't hearing. know what's coming down the line. If the pandemic has taught us anything, we don't know what a future pandemics there may be. So, and so Domicron, I think it's, it's a rea- it's So so let's celebrate aerodic. the fact
4: Absolutely. that there's good what news I, on it. What you know? I find quite incredible is the fact that you you made a statement that some schools wouldn't need it. I don't know of a single school I'm you I have ever visited that has a ventilation system. A the ventilation system is a window. And that's that's what they've existed. I, I Genuinely, I have never visited. I worked in Coelock area. I visited upwards of 20 schools consistently. I'm in Blanchestown, Dublin West. I visit pretty much every school in Dublin West. And I have never seen a single ventilation system within a school. We don't have them. They don't but exist. I, I
0: think is that the issue from that report was that some some classes classrooms are big a, enough. Are big enough have windows mm. in uh, a certain type of windows opening out or the right side school school and that they but can we're, we're still they relying, don't need. we're
4: still relying on windows to open. Can you imagine opening your window in your house in in January and February? it would be absolutely freezing. I don't freezing.
2: think it's for you or me to decide. I think we do have to follow expert evidence and I, guidelines just, and science. So
4: who will pay for an expert to go into a school to decide whether the school briefly, I, I, a school deserves a ventilation system? Can I just briefly
3: come out. Listen, yeah. I welcome the fact that there has been, and I think that's good news and it's important, because I think we're likely to have COVID in the state in some form in, you know, in 12 months' time. But we have been talking about air filtration for a long period of time, especially in hospitality. And it hasn't been the same move in pushing air filtration systems into hospitality. Some have, and I I would request that the government would recognise the theatres, the pubs and the restaurants that have put them in so that they at least would be able to function in in a greater way because they have cleaned their air better and the level of the illness is circulating less there. And So they they shouldn't necessarily be treated the same as pubs or restaurants that don't have that as of yet.
0: Okay, just to give you a sense of what, and we're getting a big reaction in on this as we always do. Um, I was on holidays in September, and I met many Israelis who had already had their third shot. The science was clear back then. I came back here, and the message through the media was that the booster was still being assessed, and it might not be needed, etc. NIAC messed up big time, dragging their feet on this, and it has led to less than enthusiastic public response when eventually approved. Uh, when they eventually approved it for everyone, now, I mean, the opposite side of that is, of course, if NIAC were rushing to to approve things ahead of time, people would say, "Are you sure you've got this right? Have you?" have you uh, considered uh, the possible downsides so i think there might be a bit of a you know c- careful what you wish for there um i'm 68 my five months is up so i did a walk in for my booster in the national show uh, show center and was registered on the hsc database all well organized and efficient got a booster last week regards good news story there um Uh, On the schools issue, maybe I should sue the state for failing to protect my child from contracting COVID in school. Maybe it might then take its duty of care to children seriously, says one texter. And another listener says we are frozen in caps, frozen day in, day out in our classrooms. Thank God for Barra giving us two days break to stay warm at home. Thank God something has got to change soon. We are exhausted and frozen. That's from a Dublin primary teacher Uh, on the uh, break from school by Dara. Um, just literally as we were coming uh, into studio, or just as, as the red light was about to turn on, I got a text there saying that uh, uh, my children's school was not going to open tomorrow, even though we had been told a few hours ago that it would be. And I think from a number of text messages we've got in here, uh, other parents are getting that message again in the last hour. Earlier this evening, says one listener, Mike in Dublin eighteen. Earlier this evening, our Dublin school contacted us to say it was opening tomorrow. Three hours later, we get a text saying Department of Education uh, on back of Orange Notice are closing Dublin schools. What sort of snowflake, wimpish nation are we turning into? (laughs) We went to school in far worse back in the day and didn't need any nonsense colour warnings for our parents to figure out if the weather was too bad. Closing schools two days in a row in Dublin for what at worst is a bad breeze and rain says Mike. Uh, you agree with Mike?
3: Well, I have sympathy for Mike's view because I remember uh, when the Beast from the East happened, um, we had a red warning and the red warning said that all schools in Munster and Leinster should close. And your county, Kerry, uh, didn't have actually snow on the first day of that. So I think there's a, there's a logic for trusting in adults to be able to uh, take the information, the risk that's been given to them by weather forecasters and also to ascertain the risk on the morning. When we were kids, for example, we listened to local radio and we would be delighted to hear if, if there was six inches of snow and schools would be we would be told that schools were closing on the morning. And people made assessments of the risk on the morning of uh, the, the, the the storm or the situation that they were in.
0: Well, in my day, the bus school bus didn't turn up for us so that kind of sorted out whether we were going to school or not if there was six inches of snow. Uh, but... I mean, you know, that is a that classic, you're damned if you do, you're damned if you yeah. don't. I mean, you, you should, really have yeah. to overreact, do you? Well,
2: well uh, for years, you know, there the was a bit of an underreaction and and people died as a result, you know. So it's very, very serious. Um, we are living through a climate crisis, a climate emergency, um, and storms are part of that. Uh, and and I, I do think that um, we're going to have to deal with this on an ongoing basis, to, to be honest with you. Um but i wouldn't agree with with pader because you you can't just make an assessment on the morning because there's staff there there's teachers they can't just say well you know but what are the teachers supposed to do just go in just in case kids turn up you know there there does have to be some kind of a, a warning i understand that the day before is incredibly frustrating but the government doesn't decide storms either well, like you know or 10 hours before is yeah. very very frustrating look look absolutely i totally i totally agree um and uh, and, and maybe we'll find that that they that they could have done it quicker. I just don't know, but I think we do have to react to the evidence when it comes. The reason that Dublin is closing and that it's so so late is because it changed to an orange uh, alert. That's met Aaron. That's not something that we can control. We cannot guess that it's going to be orange yes. necessarily. That's fair enough. Uh, Paul, yeah. do you think? Yeah, I, I
4: think it's it's absolutely fair. I think, again, you're looking at the experts to provide the evidence to you to say that this is extremely dangerous and it's dangerous enough to close schools. Because not only do we have students, but we also have teachers who are workers and who are parents as mm. well. So... Everyone is trying to make a judgment based on the information that they have. The Department of Education are making a judgment. If they get a warning, part of their their procedures is if there's a a, a yellow warning that schools will close in that particular area. They don't have a. I suppose they that's a decision that they make in that. So I I, I always I always in my opinion I would always err on the side of caution. If 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 the weather is that bad, that if, if you're passing a park and a, and a branch falls down and hits a child in the head. And that child is killed. Would it have been worth it? I don't think so. And and again, that could happen anytime, but we're in the. Again, we've come in here, the weather has t- changed dramatically since I left for work this morning. I left for a clear, with a clear blue sky um, when I got into town today. Um, and now coming out here today, it, it is very high winds, mm-hmm. very heavy rain. And and I don't think that we can I'm not take opposed chances to experts
3: giving advice, and I'm not opposed to professionals making judgments. All I'm saying is that sometimes. <laughs> when that's done centrally, it doesn't take into consideration that local variables uh, could actually allow for people to... So, for give me an example... In that people situ- that all over the place. In, so just, not- just hear me out. In a situation where there was a red warning uh, for the Beast for the East occurring, <clears throat> the schools closed the grass was green. There wasn't a flake of snow on the ground. It would be logical to say to the, to the schools in the local area, "There, make your decision on all of the threats and all of the expertise." But do you know what? You're an adult. We we, we trust your judgments. I think this.
2: that's very unfair. On and like, it, it, there's schools. an infantilization I mean, I, I, I to I a really certain do. extent,
3: where you have you know um, adults all around the country who have eyes and ears who can consume the expert advice. And we need to trust them to make judgments too.
0: Okay, Gwanya, can I ask you about that uh, story in NUI Galway this week? Uh, Mm. A lot of complaints from students about the Christmas exams. Yeah, I think and in the grander
1: scheme of when you think all the the um, things that we've closed are regulated, you can understand, I suppose, why this has kind of erupted and has grown legs over the past few days. So students have raised concerns about sitting there in person exams uh, when there is so much uh, high incidences of COVID-19 just before Christmas and when uh, the advice is to close so many other as- or limit other aspects of uh, society and when you add on top of that that COVID concern the stress of exams themselves uh, you can understand why they're, they're agitated but they haven't Uh, gotten kind of clarity or any kind of, I suppose, compromise from the university over holding in-person exams. Uh, Simon Harris told uh, uh, Eamon O'Keeve in a PQ last week that the government wouldn't be issuing advice on this and that it wasn't fair to, I suppose, uh, instruct a a one one size fits all advice for uh, university exams, which is... Contrary to everything else, every other aspect of society that uh, the government has issued COVID advice on uh, and you can see students getting very agitated. And concerned about sitting in exams and about wondering whether they're sitting there, wondering whether they're bringing COVID home to their housemates, to their families just before Christmas. Just
0: before Christmas. Yeah, exactly. I mean, a lot of people thinking that who they're going to be having Christmas
1: dinner. It's
4: interesting. I've been watching this unfold in the last two weeks on Twitter, because a lot of students on Twitter have been asking that same question is, where do we fit into this? We've got exams coming up in the next two weeks. Are they going to be online? Are they going to be in person? And, and nobody had a clue and nobody was given clear direction. And I find it incredible that Simon Harris didn't give some sort of direction or some sort of guidance to the colleges. It's quite incredible that, it, like, for example, pubs <clears throat> and restaurants can have one sitting of 10 people not mixing up different tables. We've got different rules in terms of 50%. Uh, my Damien Dempsey concert was cancelled this morning. Um, <laughs> so there's can- can- concerts being cancelled all over the place because of 50%. And yet we saw pictures of hundreds of students in a line and then entering into an exam hall where they were less than a metre away from each other. I found that quite incredible that on the now, 7th of December when them new regulations came in on that same day we had that same situation. Okay, now it's, just
0: to say NUIG said in a statement that their uh, examinations were being held in line with public health guidelines that the goal, that uh, it had significantly reduced capacity in exam halls with increased ventilation, carbon dioxide monitoring and extensive cleaning.
4: Well, unless I was looking at the wrong picture because the picture I saw was of a, a very full hall with students very close to each other, okay. but also outside you had students in their hundreds queuing outside to get in. Uh,
2: Pauline, this is your part of the country, yep. of course. Yeah. Yep. Uh, do you know any more about it? Um, I mean, what NUIG are saying is that there's 40% capacity in those rooms. Um, to, but uh, but I think that the, the issue is the congregation outside of those rooms, um, because in education settings, there is no distance requirement. Um, now NEFIT are saying that uh, there is no need to close um, and that there are framework agreements with all of the universities. I will say that um, TU, UCD, uh, DCU as far as I know, and NUIG are are all um, having um, having exams in person um, there's only 40% of students in NUIG who are doing them in person The 60% doing them online having said all of that mm-hmm. I think it's appropriate to say what the university are saying if you don't have the confidence of your students and your staff then I don't believe that it's correct to keep on going. Like, you know, I think that uh, it it is their job under the framework agreement to do a risk assessment. I believe that they've done that and that they found that the the risks, um, that there weren't the risks there. But, it's also their job to bring everybody on board, and they haven't done that, and they haven't given confidence. And students are uh, partners in their education at the very least, uh, but I would say I would go beyond that and say if they don't feel safe, then you have to make alternative arrangements. And I and so I believe that Nuig should look at that. Personally speaking, um, mm. okay. and that that would be my view on it. Um, but so should all of the other universities but they managed to bring people on board with them that mm. seems to be the difference because it has been escalating and escalating and now i really feel for the students who are uh, you know this this is this is something so important in their life a stage of their life and they're going in to exam halls with that kind of fearing and anxiety not ju- not about the exam but about their health you and can kind of correct.
1: compare that situation as well to the issue of uh, COVID in schools, in primary schools as well, and, and the lack of confidence in the system that is there to keep people safe. So, you know, for argument's sake, if COVID was spreading outside of schools in the gatherings there and not in schools, it, it's not really helpful to to just repeat that over and over again without trying to bring parents and teachers on board and demonstrate with the evidence that they keep citing and clearly showing it to people why they believe that and why that is the case because it's important that people believe in the system that they're all taking part in
0: uh yeah i want to just say we're getting quite a few um text messages in from people saying that as per the met air and twitter page the dublin orange warning expires at 7 a.m mm. tomorrow uh, another one saying orange warning into 7am another day of missed education, no respect for parents, no online learning option. That's from Johnny. Another one genuinely fuming that schools and colleges will close tomorrow because of an orange warning that ends two hours before college starts. I don't know. We might check that yeah, out and we'll just double check if that is the case, yeah. because that would be extraordinary. Would. Uh, mm. But yeah, quite a few people. Um, conspiracy theories are uh, everywhere. Government are taking advantage of the bad weather to close the schools for two days to make a break in the COVID contagion. It's kind of um, funny
1: though because when we were talking about contact tracing in schools, that would involve kids missing a lot more than two days if it was to return. So, uh, you know. That
0: is true. Uh, and just before we move off COVID, I just want to touch on that Neffet gagging story. Um, uh, let's have, a, I think we can have a listen um, because obviously it was widely reported at the weekend that Neffet had been gagged by the government and that was Following, we were told, anger at Cabinet over the leaking of the most recent advice to government before ministers had a chance to consider it. Um, and then it was announced that all future media appearances by Neffet would have to be arranged through the Government Information Service. Uh, today in the all, the Taoiseach insisted that this did not mean that Neffet had been
3: gagged. All press officers in all departments have been asked to facilitate, make sure that NEFET spokespeople are facilitated in going forward. To the public, to the public media, um, in terms of doing interviews, making media appearances, and communicating public health advice, um, and I've checked back over the weekend. Uh, nobody was stopped over the weekend. It seems to me, from what I've garnered from going on any show.
0: So that was uh, the thesis today saying that no one was stopped over the weekend, from what I've garnered, from going on any radio show. Now we know, of course, uh, because he's already said it himself, News Talks' Gavin Riley has said mm. that he had booked a member of yep. Neffet on his show on Sunday, that they but that they weren't available when he formally requested them through the Department of Health. I see uh, the Daily Mail's Craig Hughes is tweeting this evening that another Neffet member had been due to appear in another News talk show on Saturday, and they didn't appear. And then, indeed, mm. I myself had a similar experience on Saturday... Because uh, we had an effort member booked on to our Saturday show and uh, had confirmed this through the Department of Health. And then on Friday, late Friday afternoon, we were told this effort member was no longer available. Um, What are we to make of that, Pauline?
2: Well, I mean, I don't think any of us can make anything out of it because we don't know the the ins and outs of why it's happened. Um, It's not correct if anybody has stopped from... You know, if anybody from Leffitt is stopped uh, genuinely. But I do also think that um, we need to make sure that everything is somewhat aligned. Everybody's going to have different ways of expressing things, but they're also needs to be public confidence in the messages that they're receiving Um, and i think that some of the reports of leaking and things like that are not not helpful that were last week i think so i I don't know Uh, that's the (laughs) i I can't i can't uh, i'm not in the department of health i don't know the answer to it all nobody should be gagged but we also need some kind of alignment of communications (coughs) as well
4: i I think it's quite ironic for this government to be criticizing anyone else in relation to leaking <laughs> we have some some comments about uh, cabbage strainers and uh, government ministers leaking left right. We have a tarnish who's under investigation with Gardy e for 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 leaking a document. So uh, you know, I think it's incro- I actually heard Gavin Riley uh, on on Sunday morning, and that's exactly what he said that he had requested. The person had said they would come on the show. And when they, con- they were contacted by the, the, the government information service, that we were told that the person wasn't available when they had already confirmed. So I think it's really important that we, we have this clarified, we have this cleared. What was the communication? What was which. And again, this is another example of really poor communication from this government. On everything they've done, they've dropped the ball in terms of communication. What we need in terms of the correct messaging from the people who are professionals, who are the experts who give the correct information. I've had a barrage. But don't barrage. we have,
0: to be fair, don't we have access? People are saying, oh, you know, we need to know what these people are saying. We can't be just relying on the government's, you know, interpretation or spin. But don't, we have always had access to that letter. So, which is a very detailed, set out mm-hmm. advice of what NEFET are are advising the government.
4: Absolutely, the government give advice, or did NEFET give advice. Um, and the government make the decisions based on that information and advice that they're given. That's absolutely correct. I have no issue with that whatsoever. But they should also have an opportunity to explain that information. The last couple of days, I've had an absolute barrage of, of anti-vaxxers and different people who have, been, who have been into me. And some of the misinformation that they have is just so off the wall. So every opportunity that we can have to inform and educate people in relation to the information and the advice that are given, we should be taking that. And there should be no attempt whatsoever to gag or to, to, to prevent the nefid experts from talking. From
0: talking. Uh- yeah, but you know, having said, I have heard so many of you giving out about the, you know, we don't know who to listen to because we're hearing yeah. this today and that tomorrow, and should we not have, as as Pauline was saying, there, more of an aligned there is peak communication confusion. strategy.
3: There is peak confusion, and I actually think it is because there's so many messengers, and I actually think there needs to be a re- there needs to be absolutely an education of the people, and people need to be able to work out exactly why decisions are made. But I actually agree with the idea that Nephits isn't uh, public facing as much as they are, to be honest. I actually think the government are responsible for the decisions, the government need to explain the decisions, and they need to communicate the decisions. It is very unusual in, in any part of history that I can remember in which civil servants actually took the primary role of explaining what is actually policy decisions but, that are happening no. in but, a country but civil
0: service what like the CMO the, the chief medical officer i see all over europe we we i see them they they they're out they yeah. they they are doing media interviews all over that's surely a more unique position than they
3: they would and you know i'm not saying that the, the, the there shouldn't be an opportunity for the cmo to e- explain things but all i'm saying is like I, I, on a regular basis i would find it very hard to have a question put to Neffet, for example. I've asked journalists to ask questions of Neffet. And it's an incredible thing that, you know, a parliament, a person elected by the people, is asking a journalist to ask questions of a body, which is, to a certain extent, making the decisions, if, if, if not fully, but in, in large part, of what's happening in, in a country. And I actually think that the, the, the parliamentary uh, element of uh, the last... 18 months, has been completely sidelined. I've seen where, you know, decisions have been made between Neff and the executive, the government, and the government have announced them, either in RTE or at government buildings, and we as TDs are actually listening to these uh, this, uh, uh, announcements on television or in radio, without actually being able to test or challenge these this, the decisions, and I think that's wrong. I do think that it has to be a reduction. So you think
0: uh, is the headline out of this, Pather? Well done to the government for uh, drawing a line. I get, line it, I get
3: accused all the times for not saying well done to the government, <laughs> but I actually think the government is right <laughs> on okay. this.
5: Okay, we're not going to take that. Okay. <laughs> 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 we we'll
0: leave that one there. We'll come back. We'll be talking about housing after these. The late debate with Katie Hannon on RTE Radio One. And you're welcome back. Now, the average deposit needed to buy a home is now €52,500 for for a first-time buyer and €135,000 if you're moving house. That's according to figures from the Banking and Payments Federation Ireland. This is more than double what it was less than a decade ago. I'm joined on the line now by Killian Wood, Senior Business Reporter with The Business Post. Uh, Killian, you're very welcome.
5: Thanks for having me, Katie.
0: Uh, now, this won't come as a big surprise, I suppose, to anyone who's been tracking house prices uh, over the last number of months and years. But still, a pretty shocking statistic, and and uh, it it it's at, there, there is also information behind that about the bank of mom and dad, isn't there?
5: Yeah, and I think that's what this kind of what the main data point from this Bank and Payments Federation Ireland research shows is draw, drawing on kind of how people are getting access to mortgages is what what kind of money they're getting as gifts in the background mainly from from parents. And I suppose when you look at the the mover purchasers of the people changing home mainly inheritance. So as you said, more than double than it was a decade ago. How much of a um. A deposit you needed to get, a, get get access to a mortgage but I think what we're seeing is so mostly what they are they are saving their own money so there's 700 so of that kind of money saved for deposits 795 million of it all was was by savings of their own accounts that's putting away their own money but then total gifts was 210 million so still like if you adding those two figures together quite a sizable amount of money and like it's mo- ma- mainly no surprise that like it's first-time buyers were getting that kind of gift from mom and dad and again that's just having a knock-on effect on prices in the, in the market it, it, that's, that's what the market does it responds to when it sees more money is on the table um, and we're seeing residential prices flying up as a result. And that money, look, it doesn't take much of a um, I guess to show where it's coming from. People saved a lot of money during the pandemic and have very little places to put it to use. Like, it just, I uh, totally, it, it, there is shortages of certain kind of luxury gifts people might want to buy themselves at the moment, but it's a gaming console, <laughs> that's a nice new car. So they're just putting money to use where they can. And also seeing, crap, if I don't get my son or daughter onto the property ladder now, it could be much, much worse in a few years to come. So let's throw money at the situation now, get them to deposit to their mortgage.
0: Yeah, and you were writing, weren't you, uh, over the last number of weeks about uh, what KPMG are predicting in terms of wh- how things will be over the next uh, eight-year period?
5: Yeah, so we're looking at median, median, and I suppose that's a bit better barometer. Median house prices flying up by about a hundred thousand euro in the next within the next eight years. You, you could you could hit back at that and say it's a bit of a like that's a gradual increase year on year, and it looks like it's twenty five percent more than it but than it was. And in, in, so the prices in twenty twenty eight we twenty five percent higher in Dublin Central than they are now. You could say that's a gradual increase over many years, but people are already struggling with those gradual increases, and that's that's a bit of concern estimate. So we're looking at the moment at a load of supply coming to market, a load of apartments been built, a load of homes been built, and still, even in that kind of perfect scenario predicted through Housing for All, we're still looking at prices flying up in the city centres.
0: Yeah, so that that is actually the sobering part of that. And we saw that that, um, there was a piece there in The Independent, I think it was by Donald Donovan, uh, in the last number of days, uh, that the department's own research now is questioning the capacity of those big investment funds to deliver affordable housing
5: well actually what what the department have found is actually it's the investment fund's own research that they've been that they've been pr- providing to them as kind of lobbying material and there's one specific part of it that's very very interesting that the department of public expenditure reform brought into their own analysis which it showed that let's say you take it, the, the sector says it costs about 450 grand to 615,000 to deliver an apartment so if you take the kind of lower estimate of that for that apartment to be rented out to make it profit essentially you'd need to charge 1600 euro a month in rent that's 20 grand a year that's really only affordable for the top sixth of renters and if you're in the top sixth of renters you're most likely not going to be a renter for very much longer you are in the category of hundred thousand plus household looking to buy so i think that's where the really tricky situation is where we we have funds coming in and bringing lots of money and it's great that they're investing in the property market and willing to put money into a sector that is constrained from our own banks and not investing in it but if they're only supplying for the top sixth of the market that 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 that's definitely a limit to that
0: Yes, indeed. Yeah. Will you hang on the line there with me, uh, Killian? I just want to put a couple of these points uh, to the panel here. Um, Pauline, uh, th- those figures that show that even if all that supply comes on, if all the things happen the way we're told, we hope they will happen, that we're still going to be in a very, very difficult position
2: in, in the next, over the next decade. Well, I think absolutely, if, if, if all the supply is... Um, that's a big if in itself. Well, except that we're on target at the moment, I will say that, and and um, and Killian did say, you know, there is a huge amount of building going on at the moment. So I think that that we do have to admit that that's a positive. Um, but you know, investment, private investment is necessary in the short term because we just, th- this is the, the biggest ever spend on housing and yet the state just cannot afford to do it all. So we do require some investment. But I believe but the other have- element is the other elements around um, social housing, around cost rental. They're the elements that can change actually the private rental market. And. Um, Because if you have enough, and this is like the Green Party's um, hobby horses on cost rental in particular, but also on social housing. But if you have enough of your market that is um, social housing, affordable housing and, and cost rental in particular, then... The private market has to compete with that, and and the costs and the the prices that they can charge come down. Do but think that we is have a longer enough. term. I was longer term. Is, I was going to ask yeah. you that
0: question. Like seriously, with the with the the targets you have in housing for all now for cost rental and for 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 the, like when is that going to make an impact? Because certainly KPMG are saying that in as as Killian just pointed out there that we're looking at much increased rents and much increased house prices in the next eight we well, well,
2: even if you're to look at one of the um, the, the cost rental um, developments, like there were, it was so oversubscribed within the first 24 hours. People really want it. Clearly, they really want it. Um, I I would prefer to see a stepping up of that. Um, it is a minimum amount of housing for cost rental. Okay. But I think if, you, if we could multiply that, personally, I think that that is the way to go. Okay. But... The building is happening and, and um, so we have to acknowledge that. But okay. we, can't keep, we can't keep uh, using private investment. We do have to develop, develop the okay. other areas. I know. And that means councillors have to stop objecting to social housing as well. Just to say okay, well, and I know
0: we'll, we'll bring that back to Paul in a moment and Pather. But I just want to bring, oh, Gráinne in on this, because Gráinne, you are... You know, I don't want to make you the representative of, of your generation there, but, you know, what, what what do you think when you hear those those numbers that, that Killian was spooling out there?
1: Uh, yeah, it's obviously, it's. I think you mentioned it at the start of the segment, Katie, that it's not surprising if you're following it for very long, which is a grim place to be where you see uh, the percentages and prices shooting up and it doesn't, it, it, not that it doesn't faze you, but it doesn't, uh, strike you as unusual. You know, um, Killian did a story in this week's Business Post about uh, the, the Pascal, the, the kind of the the expectation from um, uh, the, the, the industries, um, the, the industry market was basically skewed by COVID and that they took uh, rental market, rental houses off the market. Um, to the, with the idea that it would kind of keep prices at, at a premium and that Pascal the, the kind of response to be ready for kind of dealing with that question was that the industry's response is that the market will correct itself. And that's kind of at the heart of the problem that we're waiting for the problem to fix itself. If we just wait until supply comes on stream, if we just wait until prices settle, if we just wait a couple of years when COVID is is finished and things settle down, things will correct itself. And that is a hands-off uh, the government has to do very little almost approach mm-hmm. to fixing a massive crisis and it, it is obviously decades of underinvestment in the sector but you need a bigger plan and you need better government involvement to fix it.
4: Absolutely, uh, is it yeah, the nail on the head? This is another, another failure of the government to actually deal with the housing crisis from, from a government perspective. If we continue to leave it to the private market, like we do everything if we continue to leave it to private market, we are going to be in the same position in three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years. We have to inject a massive amount of of capital funding in building social, affordable, and, and cost rental houses. To, to be we fair, have that to, is happening. No, no, it's, it's not. But it's system. not enough. It We're is clear. It's clear. It's not enough. And, way and way and more than you Unfortunately, even every your own single every budget. single measure that's been brought in has been proven to have have failed. And every time you that you, then, a, then a, a measure has been brought oh. in, mm. for example, uh, in, in relation to cost into uh, affordable housing, we now know that the ESRI, the central government, they're all talking about the scheme that's been brought in to enable... Egg- the shared equity, the shared equity sorry, about, yeah. the shared equity scheme. You know... Has, will will, Roy, will increase cost of, of houses across the world. We we, right we need parents. massive investment. Just, okay, let's no, say no. I want to say right. because the right, time is getting short.
3: Right now, it's an absolutely shocking thing to say. Right now, buying a house is for rich people. Yeah, and actually, buying a house is for rich people with parents with a few quid too. In in, in most cases now, hundred thousand euros uh, in 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 Dublin uh, of an of, a, of an annual income you need to be able to buy a house uh, in Dublin, and it's the urgency chasm that actually really frustrates the likes of myself, like the fact that. You know, nothing has really been done about Airbnbs. You know, rent caps, cuckoo funds, and even the whole idea of vacant, vacant sites. is just so frustrating. Last year, the, the tax brought in on the vacant site tax was 21 grand. It was less than the money it cost... To actually draft the bill, and then when the zoned land that was uh, tax, the,
2: bill, the, 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 lo- the
3: zoned land tax was introduced, and and the, the minister says no, we won't introduce it for two or three years, <laughs> and we'll actually reduce the, the rate of tax. 20%. It's it, it's and I asked the minister Pascal Dunhue in the finance committee, would he double or triple the LPT, the local property tax on uh, vacant properties? Like so there's about ninety thousand vacant properties in the state, and he said no, we have to do a little bit of research to find out what exactly is the cause of those houses not coming back into the sector. There's there is an urgency crisis within the government's approach to this, and there is a laissez-faire attitude, among, especially amongst Fine Gael sitting on their hands and allowing the market to decide. Yeah, can
0: I just because uh, uh, Killian, that's precisely, and Gron, you brought it up there as well. Mm-hmm. That was you, that was what you were writing about on Sunday, Killian.
5: Yeah, so what we, what we got access to, well, will Kean O'Callaghan got access to the Social Democrats TD got released under freedom of information laws, and um, access to the briefing note prepared for Pascal Donahue um, and by by his officials. It, it, like it was, it's essentially it was a, it was a bunch of pre-prepared answers to quite tricky, maybe thorny questions that could come up on current affairs shows or in the doll and stuff like that. He was asked, "Will you introduce a vacant property tax? Why not? You know, introduce a penalty for investors who are holding empty apartments?" And I think it just shows it doesn't all all not all, not everything. That document translated into exactly what Pascal Tony said when he was on radio. But it does show a kind of a pushback against a vacant property tax or vacant home tax, specifically within the Department of Finance, which at, at this stage seems quite, quite peculiar. We, we would although regardless of whether they would think that there's no necessary like benefit to it and it wouldn't bring it and it probably wouldn't bring thousands and thousands of homes back into use like there we still do need to know how many exact vacant properties that could be brought into housing you know it, surely there's some benefit to having something like that in the background you know yeah. if, if you're a football team and you don't concede any shots on target at the weekend you don't start no goalkeeper the next week you you have in place because in case it does happen now we have an instance where we need a vacant home tax to bring homes back into use and it should be really in place already. We have Department of finance officials pushing back against even introducing one now.
0: We just have uh, less than a minute, Pauline. But just to say, do you ever hear st- stuff like that in despair that you know there there are serious uh, issues with policy in relation to this?
2: I think vacancy is the bit that you know for me has to be really tackled and coming from you know rural. Would that give you confidence that we're serious about tackling it? Look. I I think an awful lot more needs to be done on it. I'll, I'll be honest with you on that, and I would hope that we'll bring something forward in relation to that. But um, vacancy and dereliction um, is a blight across the country. Quite apart from the fact that it's, it you know there's homes there for people who need them. Okay,
0: okay, I'm gonna to have to take one last break. The late debate with Katie Hannon
2: on RTE Radio One.
0: And we're over time. I want to thank my guests for braving the storm and coming into us tonight. I want to thank you, Killian, for joining us on the line and thank the team for putting together tonight's show. Uh, Stay tuned for Late Date with Cahal Murray, but first we'll hand you over to Porig Glodge on the Sports Desk.